Good morning, family. We're going to get through this together this morning. I may need to take some some, uh, extended drinking breaks or put a cough drop in or something, but we will get through this together uh, this morning. Uh, I want to encourage you to grab your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, turn and find one nearby. There should be a hardbacked black one uh, near you. If you don't own a Bible, that is our gift to you. Please take it. And we're going to turn in our Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to read a portion of chapter 6 together this morning. We're going to read verses 10, excuse me, verses 10 through 20. And at the end of that reading, I will say that this is the word of the Lord and invite you then to respond uh, in worship, in praise, by saying thanks be to God. Let's begin. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. This morning, we're going to really just camp out in verse number 10. And so I encourage you to look again at verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his miter. In the uh, King James, it says, finally, my, my brothers or my brethren, finally, brethren, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And what I want you to see here initially as we look at just this verse is that the finally here is not necessarily an in conclusion then for Paul's letter. It's not a, oh good, he's finally stopping and he's going to wrap this thing up. Rather, this finally is more like a henceforth. And really carries with it the weight of everything that Paul has been saying all the way back in chapter 5, at the end of chapter 5, in verses 15 through 20. I encourage you to look there again. 
Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ." So as we get to uh, this part of chapter 6, what we need to understand in Paul's henceforth is that all of everything that he's saying now is still connected to this thought back in chapter 5 as he is encouraging them, he's, he's, he is uh, prodding them to be filled with the Spirit, to be completely submitted to the profound and controlling effect of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and being filled with the Spirit, then in submission to one another, in submission in every form and facet of their lives, in every relationship in their lives, then he gets to this point and he says, having said all that, henceforth, meaning from here and now always, I want you to, what? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. We haven't moved beyond Paul's call to a life fully submitted to the Spirit. And in this, Paul is calling us to a being strong in the Lord that can only come as we are submitted to the profound and controlling effect of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's given with the same force of command. Almost like Paul is bringing us back to this point where he said, be filled with the Spirit, because the be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5 came in this present, passive, imperative form. That it was something that Paul was calling them to be. And yet, the being was passive, which meant they were being acted upon and were not, therefore, the actors in what he was calling them to do. Greg did a great job of giving us this picture of a sail that's being filled with the wind of the Holy Spirit and that our lives were to receive that filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives and thereupon let that profound controlling effect begin to drive the force of our lives. And here, in the same present passive imperative form... Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. The same force, the same voice, and yet it seems odd, doesn't it? 
to, to think of being strong as a passive thing. We are so used to, if we want to be made strong in something, we've got to exert, we've got to build, we've got to form, we've got to do all these things in order that we can be strong in any of these different ways of our lives. Just, I mean, you, you want to be strong? Well, hit the gym, hit the weights, do some push-ups, do some sit-ups, do some pull-ups. Or do as one of my dear sisters did this week, do some squats and find out just everything that you have to do in order to be strong in the natural, right? In the natural, being strong is not a passive thing. It is a very active thing. And yet here, Paul calls us to be presently, passively strong. How can that be? It can only be if that strength is, as he says, in the Lord. In the Lord. In other words, this is not a strength that we develop, but rather one that we yield to. This is not a spiritual muscle that we are called to exercise, but rather even as we are called to be presently, passively filled with the Holy Spirit, we are called here to be presently, passively strengthened in the Lord. That our strength is not coming from our exertion. Our strength is not coming from the exercise of our will or anything else like it, but rather our strength is coming from the Lord. It's coming from the Lord. That is whose power that we are called to yield to. And so here Paul is calling us here to yield to the strength of the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, Paul says. Whose power are we yielding to? We're yielding to the power of the Lord. Look at Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 23. This power that Paul is calling us to yield to and be presently, passively in is a power that He's already shown us. If you look in Ephesians 1, 15-23, He says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God, excuse me, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power. Paul's already been praying for these Ephesians, saying, 
I want you to have the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know, verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe. This is the power that Paul is calling them to be presently, passively immersed in. It's this power, this immeasurable greatness of power that belongs to Christ. That is what? Toward us. That there is an active power, a present and active power that has been turned toward us in Christ. If we are to be presently passive, it means that we, there must be a presently active force. And that presently active force is Christ Himself who, Paul is praying that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened that we may know what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might. So while we are called to be in, immersed in this power of Christ, that power, though we are receiving passively, is active in Christ. He is actively, by His rule and reign, holding the entire cosmos together. Verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now, now we, we see that this power which belongs to Christ is not his alone because we know the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is who? Who is it? It's the Holy Spirit. For the same power that raised Christ from the dead, Paul says elsewhere, now lives and dwells in your mortal body. It's the Holy Spirit. And so now, this present and active force is also personal. It is personal. Because it comes to us in the form of the second and third, sorry, this through the second and third members of the Trinity, that you may know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And how powerful is this power? It is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And here Paul says that that power, 
is the power I'm calling you to be strong in the Lord in. Be strong in the Lord. In other words, do not count your own strength as something to be reckoned with. It doesn't work. In other words, don't be strong in and of yourself. Don't lean on your own ability to do it. Don't lean on your own ability to understand or comprehend or to exist in this place, but rather be strong in the Lord. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Paul says, be strong in the Lord. Henceforth, from here on out, I'm calling you to be strong, not in yourself, to rely not in yourself, but to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. What exactly has this power done for us? Well, we, we look back at chapter 2. And we see in chapter 2 that this same power that worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, in chapter 2 we see this power at work in us. This, this power. Remember Paul saying, I'm, I'm praying for you that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the immeasurable greatness of His power. But Paul doesn't just leave it there. He doesn't just pray that for these Christians. He begins to unpack what that power has done so that the eyes of their heart can see it. So that it can be enlightened. And what has that power done for them? In chapter 2 he says, verse 4, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. How powerful is this power? Powerful enough to raise us from the dead. A spiritual death whereby we could not make ourselves alive, but rather again had to be passively, presently acted upon so that we might be raised from the dead. For we were, the first part of chapter 2, dead in our trespasses and sins, slaves to the world, the flesh, and the devil, and by nature, by nature, we were children of wrath destined and headed for destruction. That's where we were. And no one and nobody, and certainly not ourselves, capable of freeing us from that death, that bondage, or that destiny. But for a God 
who is not only powerful, but rich in mercy. Remember, it's not enough to have the ability. Someone having the ability to do something for us still does not meet our need. Many have the ability to help and they remain unengaged. Not only do they need the ability, they also must have the authority, but not only the authority, for there are those in this life who have the authority and the ability to do something, and still they do not reach out their hand to save or to help or to comfort. There must also be affection. And here we see a God who not only has the ability and the authority, but also has the affection in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons. For power without love would only destroy us. But that power together with His love is the hope of our resurrection. He made us alive. Not only that, He raised us up, which means what? We're no longer bound. And has seated us with Him in the heavenly places. What does it say? Verse 6 of chapter 2, seated us with Him in the heavenly places. What's the next word? In. 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 Over and over and over and over again throughout this letter, Paul has hit that nail on the head that everything that God the Father is doing for us, He is doing for us in Christ. And it is happening to us in Christ. And it is being accomplished by the Holy Spirit. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. He has seated us with Him in Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the Lord, he says, and in the strength of his might. We've had all of this doctrine just washing over us and washing over us and washing over us for so long now. Nearly two years this next month. And we come to chapter 6, 
and we still have amnesia. Because we get to chapter 6 and we go, oh, this is the spiritual warfare part of the deal. This is where we get to find out how we are going to do something to stomp on some devils and some demons. Henceforth, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So that you may be able, thrice, what does he say? To stand, stand, stand. Finally, brethren, henceforth, I want you to not be strong in your own power, in your own strength, in your own might, so that you might do something, but rather I want you to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might so that you might be ready, ready, I'm ready. I want to like paint my face blue. I want to go William Wallace. I want so that you might be ready to what? Thrice stand. Stand, stand. When the circumstances of life are such that we find ourselves with Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 saying, I am, I am perplexed. I'm perplexed because Though I know I'm not supposed to believe in karma, I still kind of do. And I thought I was doing the right thing, and I thought when you did the right thing that everything was supposed to work out in my favor. I'm perplexed. Because now I don't know why this is happening to me. Have I done something wrong that I don't know about? Has someone else done something wrong and it's affecting me? Or is Satan out to get me? I'm perplexed. And what does Paul call you to in the midst of your perplexion? Brother, sister, I'm calling you to henceforth from here on out not to rely on your own understanding not to rely on your own ability to do or to be. But I'm calling you to be strong in the Lord, to be presently, passively immersed in the strength and power of the Lord that is at work in and through and on you 
and in the power of his might and here to simply stand. It's as if the commander of the army gave the command, Hold fast! Hold fast! Stand. You're not called to know the difference. For you probably have done something wrong and you don't know it. And someone else probably has done something wrong and it's affecting you. And there is a battle that is waging, a spiritual battle, that the enemy wants to get you. All of those things are presently true, always. And you're not called to know the difference necessarily. You're called to stand in the strength of the Lord and in the power of His might. Think about, I mean, you want to go there? You want to go? Go armor? Let's go armor. What, what does Paul call us to in the armor? Put on the helmet of salvation. What does that mean? It means that as the battlefield of the mind wages, and the enemy who is present there trying to, through every thought, come in and attack us, Paul says that the way that we are to fight, protect ourselves, is through what? The helmet of salvation, which means what? That I am to stand passively in that moment and understand that no matter what thought the enemy brings at me, that the thing that protects my mind is my salvation, which is secure in the active work of Christ. Solomon writes in Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow every issue of life. And Paul calls us to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Which means what? The thing that is going to protect our heart is what? Well, it's righteousness. You've got to be good. That's how you protect your heart. Is that the truth? No. What righteousness is Paul talking about? He's talking about Christ's righteousness. Let your heart be presently, passively guarded right now by the righteousness of Christ. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So that everywhere that I go, I'm walking in the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for me. My loins girded with the belt of truth. Father, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth.
but there's that shield of faith. I can lift up the shield. You can what? Shut your mouth. You can do nothing. Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, lest anyone may boast. You can't even lift up a shield of faith. The faith has to be given to you. But he gave us a weapon. The sword. What is it? Sword of the Spirit. So that you may three times stand, stand, stand. Finally, henceforth, brethren, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Isaiah 40, verse 26, talks about this strength of the Lord. It says, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these, referring to the stars. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing, referring to the stars. And think about it this way, that though the stars are the embodiment of energy, being just happening. Each and every one of them is sustained and held in its place by the power of the Lord. You see, we have amnesia. We get to Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, and we get images of our, in our minds of Old Testament Heroes, thinking that we may too pick up the jawbone of a donkey and go and conquer victorious over the enemies of God and Christ, forgetting that Christ has already triumphed and He has conscripted us and called us simply to stand in the strength and power of his own might. You're not Samson. If anything, you're more like Gideon. And Paul is like the angel of the Lord that comes to Gideon and says, O mighty man of valor, 
Gideon. Me? I'm the, I'm the runt of the litter. O mighty man of valor, go in the strength that you have and conquer the Midianites. Me? If you haven't read the story of Gideon and Judges, go read it this week and get a really good laugh at the totally disconnected conversation that Gideon and the angel of the Lord have with one another because it's like they're not even listening to each other. (laughs) The angel of the Lord just keeps ignoring him every time he brings up an excuse. And yet why was he giving those excuses? Because he was looking at himself looking at his own ability, thinking and relying on himself rather than the angel of the Lord. And yes, if you look at your external situation, if you look at your own ability to be and to do right. If you look at your own strength and the power that, that you have exhibited in the past, you'll find that you can't do it. Or worse, fool yourself into thinking that you can But we forget that Jesus turned everything on its head, didn't he? The New Testament isn't filled with the servants of God destroying God's enemies with the sword. The one time somebody tried, Peter, Jesus rebuked him And healed the guy. Now, we come to a place where in the midst of the battle, Christ says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Which means what? That here, we are not being invited into a place of being strong in ourself, but rather we're being invited into a place of recognizing our own weakness and seeing the strength of the Lord being made perfect in our weakness.
Finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Let's pray. Father, I wonder how many of us would sign up to be Gideons to honestly, truthfully recognize our own weakness and from that place allow you to show your strength. Father, how much healing How much healing can come from simply just being honest about our estate and recognizing our need for you? How much freedom can come? from coming to a place where we say, God, I, I can't. I cannot do this. But you can. Father, my prayer this morning is that in the midst of perplexion, in the midst of those who feel like they've been struck down and are being crushed, pressed. That, Lord, in the midst of that weakness, that they would acknowledge you and find in you rest peace and comfort in your strength. That they would be strong, that we would be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Do this work now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.